Okay, my boyfriend's noise-canceling headphones are in. It is time to record. Let's do it. So welcome to Growing Up Gavin. If you're here again, it's because you're like me and you're still growing up after all these years. This is my first episode, first full episode, and I just have to say that this has been challenging to record, and I give major props to anyone who's recorded a podcast or is recording a podcast, because this is way harder than I thought it would be. I recorded like 40 minutes of audio without actually pressing the record button, and then I realized I was using my microphone backwards, and I was wondering why the audio quality was so bad. Shout out to my boyfriend for actually reading the instructions on how to use the microphone and telling me I was using it incorrectly. I'm not someone who really likes to try to read the instructions to figure out what I'm doing. I like to just dive in, but that does not always work. Maybe I should start doing that. But despite these setbacks, I'm kind of shook that I'm even doing this still. I'm proud of myself, honestly, for even recording an episode. Like, I have this major fear of doing anything embarrassing ever, and that I might look back at this and be embarrassed by it, or think it sucks, or think I can't believe I actually spent time trying to do this podcast when it was so bad. But like, I'm actually doing it, and I'm very pleased with this experience, and I'm learning a lot, so props to me. As I was making this episode, episode one, I was really wanting to talk about what it means to still be growing up and why I think this idea is important. And it got me actually thinking a lot about what it means to even be somebody in the first place. <laughs> like I started thinking of all the things that I like and all the things that I do and the people I know and I'm close to and where I came from. And I thought maybe all of this is who I am. I think like all of us, I grew up taking my cues from people who were older than me and figuring out who I am or who I was, I needed to look around and figure out who I was around. I learned right and wrong and everything in between from adults and my family and at my school, my teachers, counselors, siblings, and other kids. And even from Hollywood, like watching Zoe 101 and iCarly and thinking that life was so much fun in California when you're famous and on a webcast. But I was not in California. And I definitely was not in a webcast. I actually grew up in Nebraska, spending probably the most formative years of my life there. And I took my cues from people in Nebraska. So the thing about Nebraska is I feel like it's a place that is not well represented in popular culture. It is not often talked about what goes on in Nebraska and what people from Nebraska are like or who they are. And so I'm just going to share this story. I'm going to say what Nebraska is like. Now, disclaimer, I lived there from when I was two years old to like 10 or 11, and then once again a year after that. So Nebraska may have changed. Nebraska might be different. As I remember Nebraska, it is still the same, and it's inside me. <laughs> Nebraska is exactly what you think Nebraska would be like. It's mostly flat. It's mostly corn. There are towns, but once you leave town, you're driving through cornfields, and there's a lot of cornfields on your way to the next town, and it's a lot of highways as well. And there's a lot of outdoorsy stuff to go do. It's kind of like you play in the cornfields, you play on the farm, you jump between hay bales. Like, I'm not even making this up. This is actually what we did. And you could play in the dirt. You could pick out bugs from the dirt. You could look at the animals. You could jump on your trampoline in your backyard. Like, there was a lot of outdoorsy stuff. So if you're not into that, 
you're growing up in the wrong state. So it was in Nebraska where I learned how to ride my bike in our backyard, where I cracked my head open literally from jumping on the bed. It's just like the nursery rhyme about monkeys jumping on the bed and the doctor saying no more monkeys jumping on the bed. That's exactly what I was doing. Um, It wasn't my fault. It was my older brother's idea that I jump on the bed. I was very young, but I literally had to go to the hospital for stitches where I still have a scar and (laughs) on my head, a spot where hair does not grow all these years later. So I learned not to jump on the bed anymore. It was also in Nebraska. I learned how to cut steak at the young age of, I don't know, probably four I like vividly remember my dad teaching me how to hold the fork and the knife and how to cut and let the knife do the cutting because our diet really was a lot of steak, a lot of hamburgers, a lot of hot dogs. I don't know if that's well known about Nebraska, but the meat is very good. And also, so are the vegetables. I learned in Nebraska what a fresh tomato tastes like, and I'm a huge fan of tomatoes. I have been ever since I was like a kid. But unfortunately, no tomato in my life has ever tasted like a Nebraska tomato because they're just not the same. We had a garden in our backyard. We were growing tomatoes. We were growing green beans. And it was incredible. And now I get it from Trader Joe's and who knows where it came from. And it just doesn't taste the same. It tastes a little watered down. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie about this. Everyone else in America who's not had a tomato from their garden in Nebraska, you don't know what a tomato tastes like. And it was also in Nebraska where I learned what it felt like to be different. When I open my mouth now, it's pretty easy to infer that I am gay. It's not a big secret. It has not been a big secret for a long time. The voice, though, wasn't always the giveaway when you're a kid, when you're a young man. You don't sound like a grown man, typically, and you sound just like a child, and that's kind of what I sounded like. But I was definitely, I had some other indicators that I was probably not like everyone else. Like I was participating in what people would consider to be girly activities and demonstrating what others might now call effeminate behavior, starting with one story I remember and I love and cherish with bawling my eyes out when I was probably five years old in kindergarten because my dad was telling me I had to wear a pair of sweatpants to school. And I cried profusely because I thought they were just so ugly and I didn't want to be seen wearing ugly sweatpants. Like I was disgusted. I can't believe I have to wear those. So I had this temper tantrum bald, screaming to my dad at seven in the morning begging please do not make me wear these sweatpants please come up with something else and I feel bad like bless my dad's heart and he just sat there and he probably was like running late needed to get me to school needed to go to work after getting me to school and I'm like a gay four-year-old crying about wearing sweatpants I don't remember what happened I don't remember who won that fight I blocked the end game out so I assume I ended up having to wear those sweatpants also I would ask for Barbies for Christmas and my birthday. I feel like a lot of young gay men have this experience. Like your brother wants the Star Wars Lego action figures and you want Barbie's glittery dream castle. That's exactly what I did. And I put makeup on my Barbies. I blow dried their hair. I dressed them up in the latest fashion. Like my Barbies looked stunning. Okay. They did not miss. I did not miss with my Barbies and I took very good care of my Barbies. At the same time, I also was begging my aunt and anyone who would listen to like give me a makeover, do my makeup, let me be beautiful, and paint my nails. And it was kind of this 
a thing. We could do it and like nobody could take a picture. Um, and if you had your nails painted, you would have to only paint the toes and you couldn't take your shoes off at school because then people will think like you're different and also that I'm a bad parent because I actually let you paint your nails and you're a boy. But I hated the boy things. I liked ladybugs. Boys liked worms. I hated worms and pretty much all other bugs, as a matter of fact. I remember once standing on our porch in our front yard when I was playing, God knows what, and I looked down and there was a maggot on my arm. And if you've ever seen a maggot, you know that maggots are disgusting. One was on my arm and I did what any gay three-year-old would do and I started screeching at the top of my lungs, just standing there clenching my arm, the kind of screech that could break glass or could rival Ariana Grande. And my dad comes out, he looks at me screaming, and he takes the maggot off my arm, throws it into the yard, says nothing, and goes back inside. (laughs) My hero. And I, I stopped screaming. I don't know what happened after that. Probably went back about my business. But I remember like, wow, he just took it off my arm, and now I don't have a maggot on my arm. A concept. And I did all sorts of other things where the signs were just there, you know, like the writing was on the wall. Like I would wear a strawberry shortcake bracelet to kindergarten and I would like cover my wrist that had the bracelet on so people couldn't see. I hated football. The boys would play football at recess and I would go swing on the swings with the girls and we would sing in choir. And I was often asked questions like, why do you prefer? those things why do you hang out with the girls and I was given nicknames like a tom girl a riff off of the tomboy we all know and love the writing was on the wall but I was not really interested in boys or girls I was kind of just being being myself but I did know that I was different from everyone else but I didn't really know what it meant or why it wasn't until third grade when I was actually asked if I was gay by somebody It was my stepbrother, who was probably 15 or 16. We were in our backyard, we were jumping on the trampoline, and something came up, I don't remember what it was, but he just asked me point blank, are you gay? And I was like, no way. Even though I literally didn't know what gay meant, but I could tell it was bad. It was the way he asked it. And he followed up, do you know what that means, what gay means? And I was like, no, I actually don't. After I just said, no, I'm not gay, by the way. And he said, it means you like guys. And I said, oh, no, I don't like guys. The truth is, I hadn't really thought much about guys at all. But I also hadn't really thought about girls. I wasn't really thinking about anyone. I feel like everyone has this experience when you're growing up into your, I don't know, your sexual awakening. That doesn't happen when you're nine. Maybe it does. I don't know. It didn't happen for me when I was nine. And I wasn't even thinking about who I might be interested in someday. I didn't know gay existed. But I got the cue, you know you were not to be gay. And as I got older, you go from elementary school to middle school, people start to know what it means to be gay. And I started to figure out what it meant and also the social connotations behind it. You could figure it out from older people, people your age. It was sometimes like in comments made by my own father about gay people under his breath or maybe sometimes overt, or other times things I heard on the playground, like, oh, that's so gay, or you're gay, that's gay. Other times coming from the media, none of it really applied to me because I wasn't sure that I was gay and I hadn't even really thought about it, but I got the message. And one night I had a dream, and in this dream I kissed a girl in my class, 
and I woke up feeling confused, a little excited, kind of strange, wasn't really sure what that was about. I wasn't thinking about being gay or being straight or like, am I one or the other? I was just thinking about the feeling. And later that same week, I had another dream where I was hanging out with one of the muscular men from one of the reality shows my mom used to watch on VH1 when that was a thing. Think like, for the love of money or for the love of Ray J or that kind of thing. Like the bachelorette, but pre all of that. And it was a very strange dream. This time I did wake up feeling confused and wondering what that made me. Like what dreaming about a muscular man, what does that mean? Because that's strange. And that's, that's doing the thing everyone's told me I'm not supposed to be doing. But why would I be gay? Why would I be like interested in that? Why would I be having dreams about that if I'm not supposed to be gay? Because I kind of liked what I was seeing as much as like a fourth or fifth grader could. And then later that year, I was watching Disney Channel and I saw Nick Jonas on a commercial. (laughs) I can't believe it now. Nick, you were my sexual awakening. And I finally said to myself, Nick Jonas was cute. And like, I, I almost admitted it. But at the same, I also realized it. I wasn't, it was like I was admitting to myself, but also realizing to myself at the same time. And it just kind of clicked. Like the confusing feeling I had been feeling was attraction. And I liked it. I felt relieved and excited. But I also knew that I was not supposed to tell anyone because that is just not what people do. So I would keep it hidden for another five or six years, pretending to like the girls who came on TV when my dad said something like, isn't she hot? And I would agree and say, wow, she sure is while still wearing my colorful clothes and being afraid of bugs. And it wasn't really religion or anything like that that kept me from being who I was. It was just knowing that socially this is unacceptable. I wasn't really scared of God. I wasn't really scared of anything like that. I kind of thought at that time even, why would God make me gay? Because I certainly didn't choose to be gay. Why would God make me gay? and then tell me I'm going to hell because of it. It just doesn't make any sense. So God must not be real, because otherwise he would actually do things that made sense. But anyway, life would eventually take me out of Nebraska, but Nebraska stays within me. My dad, who grew up in Nebraska, he wanted sons who would probably be a little more like him than I was, who played football and wrestled and voted for the Republicans or whatever it was. And that's not who I ended up being. And when I told him I was gay, he sat me down with my brother and we had this conversation conversation, kind of a long conversation, a very weird conversation, where he came across not as angry, not as upset, but as confused and sort of hopeful or pensive that this might turn out to be a phase and maybe my son's not actually gay. And I was shocked. I mean, at school, it had become kind of a joke where at my age, in middle school, people could just connect the dots and see I was gay. Like I was gay and I was hiding it. And people would ask, like it was a joke, like, oh, Gavin, tell us your deepest, darkest secret. And I would have to like lie. I'd say, oh, uh, I, you know, I would make a joke out of it. And everyone just thought it was this kind of funny, kind of ridiculous because everyone knew I was gay. Like we can hear it in your voice. We see the strawberry shortcake bracelet. Just tell us you're gay. But my dad at once was surprised and did not see this coming, even though later he would say he had known for years. I wasn't particularly close to my dad. He would tell me once that he thought he had a stranger living in his house, the stranger being me, 
And I wasn't really concerned about his approval of my being gay as much as I wanted it to not disrupt my life or our working relationship. Because at the end of the day, I needed him to provide food and shelter and get me to school and work. And that was pretty much it because we did not have a warm relationship. We did not really have a lot in common. I didn't need much else from him in the way of validation. Maybe I did need it, but at the time I did not think I did. And his opinion was very much, look, you can be gay. You can do all the things you do then go home and be with a man. Like I knew guys in high school who now go home to a man, but I never would have guessed they were gay. You can be like that. It doesn't have to be a lifestyle. That was Nebraska talking. You can do the gay thing, but just stay mostly like everybody else. Do what all the other heterosexuals do, but with another man. You'll then have the life that you want. So I kind of internalized that, and I carried that with me through high school and into college. And then I followed the very typical, or maybe even stereotypical, character arc of young gay man from Nebraska wants to be an actor, and then he moves to New York City and is gay in New York, and his life changes when he moves to New York. And that's actually true. I mean, it's... (laughs) When I moved to New York for college, I met so many other gay people for the first time in my life. People who were openly gay, proudly gay, very out, and very themselves. They weren't just like straight people, but with someone of the same sex. They were their own culture, with their own interests, with hobbies, with a fashion sense, and a way of speaking. It was not like what I had seen in Nebraska. And for years, until very recently, especially my first year in college, I was scared of being in the spotlight. Like, people paying attention to me, staring at me, being called gay in public, even as a matter of simple fact, like Gavin is gay. We could just, we could all talk about it. Like that's true. No one's being malicious, but it always made me feel like a deer in headlights. Like, oh my God, we don't talk about that. Why are you talking about that? We all know that part. It's like the elephant in the room. We don't talk about that because that's something I do in my private life and it's nobody's business. Otherwise, I'm just like the rest of you, right? And it took me a long time to realize that what I actually was experiencing, what that feeling actually was, was shame. And it was shame of like myself. It was shame that I internalized from growing up sort of around the people I was taking my cues from, learning that I was someone who I should not have been. And now that I know that, I'm able to sort of unpack it. Now that I've spent time around people who are so authentically themselves and unashamed to be that way, it's given me sort of license. It's given me sort of freedom to be myself too. And when I started work last year, I came to work and I noticed people had, everyone has a badge. It says your name, you know, what you do here. And some people have little rainbow flag stickers on their badge. And I never would have done that probably four years ago, even three years ago. I would have never done that because it's something I was taught not to draw attention to. You just be yourself and you don't talk about the fact that being gay is a part of who you are. It's just not necessary. It's nobody's business. But now at work, I have a rainbow flag sticker that's on my badge because I take my cues from different places now. And I wear that sticker every day with pride. And that felt like growing up. It's weird to miss Nebraska. It's weird to miss that place and the memories, the air when it gets hot and heavy before a storm, the sound of a siren when there's a tornado warning, lighting fireworks around the 4th of July, all the adults hanging out and talking about their grown-up ills. It's weird to miss that place when being there was so not me, (laughs) and a place that taught me to hide who I am. And it's now a place I might not ever go back to. 
But my dad, near the end of his life, though he had a hard time at first, and maybe we had some misunderstandings, he came to understand more about who I was and came to accept sort of as a part of this major cultural shift over the last 20 years and how people feel about gay people. He kind of came to realize that gay people exist in all parts of our world, even in Nebraska, even in your own family. Now I want to end this as any gay person would by talking about a Lady Gaga song. That song is called You and I, where she mentions Nebraska four to five times and is the inspiration for the title of this episode. My dad and I would listen to You and I together while we were driving to school or home from work. And it's a song that he learned to love and that taught me something about loving Nebraska, even though it might hurt you sometimes. This song kind of bridged the gap between my dad and me, and it brought understanding about the beauty of Nebraska to a young gay man from someone like Lady Gaga, and taught my dad something about loving yourself and being exactly who you are. See you next time.